Welcome to the Let's Talk About Church Safety and Security podcast, where we discuss the issues churches face protecting their flock while maintaining a Christ-centered focus with your host, Paul Buckner. So with, with the, um, the stories here, I'm telling myself a little bit, but I think it's pertinent. And I think that being, being humble and talking about these things, people can identify with them. So I try to be that guy that's like, hey, this is, these are my failings. Um, definitely not perfect. Just ask my wife, but (laughs) I'm driving down the road. It was many years ago. It was before de-escalation training and, um, and a much younger man with a much hotter temper. And, uh, I'm driving down the road and we, I come up on a, basically a traffic jam. There's a, there's a wrecking ball truck, these big, long trucks, bigger than a fire truck, big old crane on it. ball, And it has a top end on a good day downhill being pushed of about 40, 45 miles an hour. It's going up a grade. So we were not doing 40, 45 miles an hour. And there's about 35 cars backed up behind it, including me. And there it's, there's no place to pass. It's not a safe passing zone. Guy flies up on me, almost rear ends me. Like he can see for a long time that we're not going very fast. He's weaving and he's acting like a caged animal. He's telegraphing. He's angry. He's upset. He's agitated. Now, I don't know his mind. He could be freshly escaped from prison. He could be headed to see his sick mom in the hospital. He could just be a jerk. I don't know. But I I took it too personally. And so um, as I'm sitting there in traffic, I'm going to be late to an event. My son's playing ball and I'm going to be late too. And I took it way too personally. And so he is weaving behind me and then he starts laying on the horn over and over again. It's like, okay, this impotent rage, what is it doing for you? And I let it push my buttons. Yeah. So now when I say this, I had never, and I'm giving away part of the story. I had never flipped a person off in my life. Notice past tense. (laughs) I was raised better than that. Mama didn't raise me to do that. As a Christian, we're not supposed to be going around flipping off people. And I really try not to get involved in road rage. But with I, I look at this guy and we're making eye contact through my rearview mirror into his windshield. And he's like, at me, uh, I went like this and he lays on the horn again and he starts like uh, really exaggeratedly. His antics are very theatrical in this thing. And I went, boop. And I was like, did I just, where did I even come from? And I flipped him off and a shame on me. Like, oh, I'd like to take that back if yeah. I you can't. And so no. in that moment, I had done the eye roll thing. I had uh, way worse than an eye roll. I had I had escalated the situation. And then and then my brain went to not only was that not Christ-like, not only did that not help anything, I just threw gasoline on a fire. And I think if we if we do a visual of if this person is volatile and combusting and they're fizzling and popping and crackling and they're about to they're about to catch on fire, throwing gasoline on there is only going to make it worse. Yeah, um, we we maybe want to starve some of that a little bit and help deescalate it. And I'd rather be a fire extinguisher than a can of gasoline. Mm-hmm. So when the guy could pass, he flies up next to me and he was ready to go. And I looked at him now. Did I initiate the contact? No. Mm-hmm. Was I the only jerk in that situation? No. Was I even the primary jerk in that situation? No. Did I make it worse? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. I did. And so I made eye contact with him, and I mouthed the words very exaggeratedly, I'm sorry. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me like, 
Me too. And like he like weaved in the room, like it rattled him that I didn't. It, he was yeah. ready to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went down the road and he could go be stupid with somebody else. Now, that was a complete failure. Now, you've heard this story, but about a year and a half ago, uh, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of a magnet for this stuff, for a guy who doesn't go stupid places <laughs> and do stupid things with stupid people, yeah. but I think the Lord uses this as teaching moments because he teaches me, and maybe I can use it with others. I look over, there's a guy, he's he's high. Um, he's on probably methamphetamine, probably on a cocktail of things. He's exited a vehicle. There is a there is a um, walking, driving, verbal domestic. He's walking. Yeah. The girlfriend, wife is driving. There's another male in the vehicle. The man begins to go out like a like a bull elephant, and he's walking out into the road and challenging vehicles to fist fights. And people are weaving around him, and so super volatile. Now, I park about 200, 150, 200 yards away. I'm on the shoulder. I put my hazards on. I call it in. I call 911. I'm like, we really need to get probably a couple deputies out here. It's it's in a rural environment and it's a little bit outside of my stomping grounds, but I'm, I'm somewhat known there. And I said, I'm really concerned this guy's going to get run over. And it was right when there were protesters that were blocking traffic. Yeah, yeah. We're posting on social media like, you better not get in front of my truck. So if he needs an all wide splatter truck, <laughs> I, I, yeah. And yeah. so mindset is a big deal and so i'm yeah. like I, I may have to save this guy from himself without interjecting myself mm-hmm. what am i going to gain by interjecting myself i don't have a badge i don't wear a uniform i kept my distance and so there were several things i did good there was one thing i didn't do very well very specifically that escalated it so i'm way far away from this guy i call it in they're working a deputy that way they're trying to get a second deputy and I said, there's at least three people involved. They're like, are you seeing weapons? I'm like, no, but the guy's wearing a, a, a loose fitting shirt, like some kind of a pullover sweater or hoodie or something. And so this guy is just cranked out of his mind. And so he challenged several vehicles to a fist fight. They've got a deputy on the way. And I said, okay, I'm going to go. Well, what I should have done was turned around where I was at and gone the long way. But stupid me, I thought I'll just move over shoulder, slow lane, fast lane, turning lane, I'll move over and go by. Well, the guy starts screaming at me. So I didn't escalate it with this on purpose. Yeah. It was a mistake. And so as I'm trying to go by, because the interstate's right here in convenience, what I'm used to doing in mass shootings, oftentimes people run out the door, they ran in. What I was used to doing was using this interstate. And so as I start to go around him, he starts screaming, I saw you, I saw you, what do you want? What's your problem, man? And he, and he runs out to challenge a full-size Chevy four-door passenger car yeah, yeah. to a fist fight. And I, I shoot out around him. Well, my adrenaline spikes. Yeah. And I got that little, you know, of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And I went around him. And so then I realized, crud. He all he has to do is step into this vehicle and I can be up on the interstate in a high-speed chase. The interstate in my area is not a jurisdiction for the sheriff's department. Mm. For someone to intervene at this point, we have to involve state. And yeah. that could be in a in a 80, 90, 100 mile an hour. So smartly, I decided to keep it rural. And I, I just went straight instead of getting on the interstate. And I went down and I just, I'm like, okay, Lord, I stepped on a landmine. I heard, I heard it ping. I heard it arm. Mm-hmm not have this thing blow up so i drove down and there was a fire department over the hill and through the woods and i, I turned around in their parking lot like two miles away i have firmly broken contact i'm back on the phone with dispatch hey this is what happened i don't think the guy's following me i was wrong 
I don't think the guy's following oh. me. And uh, so I've broken contact with this guy, but you, I would definitely get at least one more deputy. He, he is literally challenging vehicles to a fight. And so they're like, okay, we, we've got deputies on the way, but you know how it is, Paul. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And so, cause there are three or four deputies on duty for this huge County. And that's a lot of real estate. We don't have little Northeast counties, like some of these right, little right. Many, many counties. No, we huge counties. Yeah. So as I start to turn out of the parking lot and I firmly believe the Holy spirit told me to leave. Which yeah. I would have been trapped in the parking lot with this guy. Right. And he might have forced me to inflict bodily harm on him. Right, right. And it would not have been good. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm like, Lord, when do I leave? And all of a sudden, I heard now, go now. And as I turn out of the parking lot, this, this little SUV shoots over the rise. The guy locks it up. He's driving now. And he's giving chase. And so he had convinced her to move over or made her move over. He's driving. Now he's driving a 2,000-pound bullet. He's driving a weapon and he locks it up. And instead of hitting me, which he could have done, um, and here, here I was trying to break contact here. I was trying to be, you know, the gray man and disappear. And he locks it up, jumps out and is striding towards my vehicle. And so I move over. There's no shoulder. I live in rural Missouri. There's no shoulder. There's the road and Jesus. That's it. <laughs> I move over as far as I can. And he hits my mirror. And he's like, what's your problem? So in that moment, my brain went, and this little computer readout came over. And it was like, based on past experience and what you know to do, what are some proper responses? And I was like, my thought was, don't escalate. But I had not, I, I have not been through all of the reality-based force-on-force, verbal force-on-force scenarios that I want to be. And I can't wait to train with you. But in that situation, I, I did something stupid. And what I did was, I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to yell at him. I'm not going to swear at him. I'm not going to flip him off. Been there, done that. Snaps burnt. <laughs> so you <laughs> learned something from that one. <laughs> and so I learned, don't do that. And so as I'm passing him, but my adrenaline's amped, my fight or flight is kicked in, I've realized I'm seconds away from a life or death head-on collision with this guy. We're literally... I'm in a locked vehicle and I'm moving, but I've got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so as I passed him, I went, and I, <laughs> I at it. and it was so stupid. It was so juvenile. And it, he was already off the rails. And it was just like, I, I threw a stick of dynamite on a roaring house fire and I watched him go. <laughs> and so I punched it. And I may have criminally exceeded the law, but there's a time and place for that. Right, right, right. right. And the dispatcher's laughing. She's like, I'm sorry. We're trying to get somebody there. And I said, yeah, it just got 10 times worse. The guy's trying to turn around. So he's, he's having to do like a 14-point turn on this real world. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. After me. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to book it. I'm going to get up on the interstate. I'm going to go like two miles and get off. And I'm going to go into this town. Well, I chaplain towns in that area. And so I know who's on duty. I know what kind of a response I'm going to get. I know I'm going to home turf and I know I can hide because if I can take a couple of turns, I can break contact because no pride involved. I don't want to hurt somebody. I don't want to have to shoot somebody. I have to live with that. I I'm going to, I'm going to kill the guy that buys that girlfriend drugs. I mean, this I'm being funny, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I broke contact, but I realized in that moment, okay, Paul Buckner, you really don't know what's in here until you're forced to deal with it like you train. And this is why, says, well, I really don't know that we need to train in de-escalation. I'm like, 
<clears throat> a story about why I think you might need this. That, you know, that's a perfect example of someone who's, who's breaking contact, but for some reason you felt compelled to have the last word, to have the last <laughs> comment, the last, I'm going to blow you a kiss. Uh, note to self, people, when you're dealing with someone who's raging like a gorilla, don't point your finger at them and don't blow them a kiss. <laughs> if, if you at least do those two things or don't do those two things, yes. you're well on your way to successfully de-escalating a situation. Amen. And, and, you know, just like that lady I spoke to uh, who was in the class la uh, last Saturday, she said, yeah, if I hadn't gone through this training, I would have not learned about the things I feel and the things that I have a tendency to, to say or do uh, in a stressful situation. And, and that's the value of that. Um, oh, I had another point I was going to make. The breaking contact. Um, oh, shoot. It'll come to me in a second. Uh, no, oh, uh, it's it's that it's uh, it'll, it'll come to me if I stay on the topic. Uh, just recognizing when you need to break contact, which which is great. Oh, here's the other point I was going to make, and I've war gamed this in my head, and I've talked to my wife. If I ever find myself in a road rage incident, and I'm talking with dispatch, I'm going to ask her where the deputies are coming from, so I can head that way and sure. and have us uh, intersect. Uh, because so that I'm not basically driving away from responding officers. Give me an idea of where they're coming from, and I can head in that direction also. Um, of uh, full transparency, I didn't always get it right too. Um, I'm human being. Uh, it's just that because I was so aware of my God-given ace card, and because I was so aware of how I come across the people, my appearance, my communication, engagement, express, especially in a stressful confrontational situation, sometimes with people trying to hurt me. Um, I was more apt to be successful and, and effective in de-escalating situation than other police officers who may have a tendency to want to handle things rather heavy handedly. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't think of any failures or, um, I'll probably think of it later, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I am not here to pontificate that I have the answer to yeah. successful de-escalation. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Um, there were times when people didn't like me. There were times when I got it wrong. Um, but again, based on my experiences, I know that generally, not generally, but rule of thumb, if you play your God-given ace card, you're aware of your facial expression, your body language, your communication, the words you use, your tone of voice, and you're engaged in the moment, active reflective listening, you're more apt to be successful and effective in de-escalating a situation. And again, back to uh, what's what we talked about part a big part of de-escalating a situation is recognizing when you're not helping the situation oh, amen. Uh, by blowing by blowing kisses uh you know things like that get away you know get away from it um but but you know in the story of david you got to recognize when they're not disengaged and this is a story i've now started using in my lecture presentations for my my church audiences David is sent by his father to go check on his brothers. They're lining up, they're squaring off the Philistines. Goliath is over there across the field talking smack. David shows up and he's like, starts to ask questions. Hey, what's 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 going on? Um, and I don't remember what book of the Bible it is. I didn't go to preacher school, but the story of David. And he's asking questions, and his brother, uh, one of the older brothers, starts uh belittling him, belittling, belittling him and chastising him and teasing him and making fun of him. What are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be in the rear watching sheep? 
Now, David could have engaged him. I mean, this is your brother. And, you know, why are you talking smack like this? But, but David just says, you know, what am I doing wrong? I'm just asking questions. So he disengages from his brother and he goes and he continues to ask questions, figures out that what this knucklehead Goliath needs is a stone between the eyes. And he goes and proceeds and do that. And so you've just got to recognize when to engage and disengage. And it can be challenging. Trust me, I know. But that's where yes. doing this training and stuff like that and just developing that self-awareness and self-discipline to get your pride and ego out of it, to, to be able to back away, let someone else take over the conversation if, if, it's, if, if it's that situation uh, or just drive away, just walk away. So I want to, because I know, so I'm loving every minute of this, and this is probably going to be literally a three-part podcast i love one of the things that the guys and i would talk about so much with a live broadcast is just as it really got good we had yeah. to stop yeah, and, yeah. and so you end up cutting the conversation short and you're just you're hungry and thirsty for more and so just when you felt like the 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 entrees were out of the way and it was getting to the main course and then like you said you always think of the good stuff later yeah yeah and sometimes you you might not ever have a chance to do that interview again right so this is what I love about this is um, I'm not going to do a Joe Rogan or a Jocko Willenick five, six hour podcast, but I'll <laughs> and I'm going to drop these all at the same time. So when people yeah. see these, they can binge listen, which yeah, I yeah. to do. And yeah. so I want to, I want to bring this around. Um, and you've told me several stories where uh, people have thanked you and these yeah, kind yeah. of these are super important and we all need to hear this. I, hear this. I, had a, I had an officer reach out and say, hey, thank you for that advice. It might have saved my career. Um, I had an officer reach out and say, hey, thank you for that um, that uh, bandage, that that, uh, that bandage that you gave me that was impregnated with coagulant. Um, I took a ricochet in the arm mm -hmm. and it helped me stop the bleeding. Yeah. And that, that feeds me where I live. But, but when you hear a real story, I know it means something to you, but I think it can mean something to listeners, people that are watching and listening to this later to go, okay, this is real world where the rubber meets the road. So if you had two or three stories like that, that people have shared with you about how your training has helped them, I'd love to hear them. Uh, I have two stories, uh, immediate and uh, coincidentally is these parking lot stories. Uh, I get a lot. Uh, most recently, um, we had uh, a church had an incident in their parking lot. Uh, we had trained with them and a couple of the guys who initially responded to an individual uh, kind of forgot what they had learned, uh, fell back on what felt like the right thing to do, fell back on saying what felt like the right thing to do and and uh, um, basically began to form this this solid wall of defense to keep this man from moving forward. A little bit of the backstory was he had got it. He was inappropriate and it got to the point that the, the church finally told him, look, you're, you're not welcome back here. You know, I'm sorry. It just got to that point. Uh, and security had been advised that the next time you see him on the property, just call the police. Let, let them deal with it. This is why. Oh, thank you. This is why it's so critical that you don't assume someone else is going to call the police. Um, they gave me permission. The, the guy took me out to, to breakfast and showed me the security video. He gave me permission to use it. And it's part of my. Uh, lecture presentation to churches to show them how it almost went wrong. But our hero in the story 
slowed himself down, took some deep breaths, started thinking about what he was doing because the individual they were dealing with became very defensive. You know, uh, what kind of church is this? I thought we're all God's children and became very argumentative. You know, I have a right to be here. This is public property. Well, anyway, so he's just throwing this stuff out there. And these other individuals, big, beefy guys, just assumed uh, a very defensive posture. Uh, on the video, you see our hero walk up. He initially starts to take a, de a defensive posture, and he catches himself, and he completely relaxes his body language. And you can see on the video that, that he starts using a calm tone of voice to engage our subject. Subject now turns around and completely engages with him. So now we've got this dialogue going. And remember, there's no such thing as just something you can say or do that, oh, okay, I'll just leave now. No, this guy is kind of upset, especially with these goons walking up and all want to be crowding me and all that. And uh, while they're talking to him, uh, some individual, and we just kind of touched upon this a while ago, some individual walks out there from the office and starts, you got to leave and interjecting. And you see the body language of our subject completely change. Now he becomes aggressive, starts taking steps in his direction. And our office guy, God bless him. And this is why we wanted everyone at this church to go through the training. Uh, he took a couple steps forward. And as you're watching this video, you're like, oh my gosh, this is not going to end well. I mean, it's just bad. Fortunately, the guy who's shooting off at the mouth finally walks away. So a note to self and for everyone in this situation, if you have someone who comes up and starts interfering with your scene, get them the heck out of there some way, somehow, somehow re-engage with the subject you're dealing with, especially if you already had a relationship with them, which is what our hero did. He finally was able to cause enough of this distraction to get the subject's attention back on him, which finally made this guy realize he needed to walk away. He re-engages with the guy and uh, it, it, it literally in about 15 minutes, again, it takes time to just talk with him and so on. He finally uh, comes down and, and drives away. Now that almost went off the rails. Throughout the entire time, you've got about three or four guys uh, standing around in this very defensive uh, uh, posture. There will be a time and place for that, okay? I'm not saying never do this. I'm just saying always be assessing the situation you're finding yourself in. Mm. Any one of these guys could have backed away 15 to 20 feet away. Our hero's got everything under control. The guy is not being violent. He's just talking. He's loud. He's a little bit animated. But our hero, your partner, your colleague, he's got everything under control. Back away. Those initial guys who initially formed the solid wall could have just started backing away and and still been in a position to support in, an, in what we call in the military an overwatch position, uh, but backed away. Because when you watch the video, you can't help but feel, man, these guys, five or six of them are just there's a there's a feeling of ganging up on him. Now, imagine you're this agitated person. You've got these six big guys. Right. That is not a de-escalating feeling for anybody. Um, and so. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, back away. It just reinforces what I try to teach the people. You, you don't have to be shoulder to shoulder to, to support your colleague. Mm -hmm. Be back. Your, 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 your colleague is doing fine. He's got the conversation going. Now, what took 15, 20, 30 minutes probably could have been compressed and been resolved in five minutes if these guys hadn't been there and if the knucklehead hadn't come out there started pointing fingers because he initiated the finger pointing. Because he goes out there and and it's like and you know da 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 and of course it really uh, triggered our our individual. So that's an uh, a, a example of a church uh, pulling me aside and saying, John, this stuff works. Well, yeah, I know. That's why I teach it. But how awesome it is 
hey, you can use our video, use it in your training seminars. And so that's actually a big part of my lecture presentation here. here and because there's no sound in the security video, but I, I narrate and I talk about how things are going. So he told me that they had their own after action review. Um, yeah. uh, they had their own AAR and he asked them, why in the world did you guys do all this? And they said, you know what? We totally forgot. In the moment, we forgot what John taught and we fell back on what felt right uh, and, 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 and said things that we felt were what we were supposed to be saying. Now, the other thing that didn't happen was while they're engaging with them, everyone assumed someone else was calling the police. Oh, dear. Everyone, everyone inside assumed because they were they were told, call the police when you see this guy. Everyone assumed someone else was doing it. So I tell people in all my classes and for those of you watching this, if you need to call the police, call the police. Don't wait and assume someone else to do it. Plus, whenever dispatch starts getting multiple calls on a, on a situation, that amps the priority. And we tell and we tell and those of us on the ground are, oh, we're going to get there a little bit uh, quicker because uh, now there's multiple calls. We would constantly get calls, uh, big fight, knives involved, guns involved, and and I would give it a moment and then ask dispatch, any other calls on it? Nope, just one call. Okay, it's most likely not a big deal. And sure enough, get there, no sign of anything. But if dispatch says, yeah, we're getting multiple calls, boom, lights and siren, let's go, because this is legit. So yeah. if you're ever in a situation and, you're, and, and even the Holy Spirit is whispering in your head, get the police coming, because you know they're not going to be there like this. Yes, amen. Get them coming, right? I'd yes. rather you disregard the police as they come screaming into the parking lot. Everything's finally de-escalated than to now call and people are getting hurt. Things are getting broken. And now they have to start from miles away. And yes. especially in your rural county, yes. they're risking their lives going balls to the wall, 100 miles an hour, yes. trying to get to you. And a stupid cow steps in the way. Really? Rural, rural reference there. Uh, you know, you're risking officers' lives. So get them coming. And, and, and of course, I'd rather them be 30 seconds away than 30 minutes away. And yeah. so if, if you've got the Holy Spirit going, and yes, I get it. We don't want to call the police for everything. But doggone it, if you've got that voice, you know, uh, saying maybe we ought to get the cops coming, get yes. them coming, you know. So that, that's one recent example of a success story that, that, that is now part of my lecture presentation to, to pass on to people. You know. So before we jump to the next story, because there's gold nuggets here, and I want to talk about these really quick. So I, I've started saying to people, especially when it comes to emergency trauma, seconds save lives. Yeah. So I'm going to put myself in that scenario, and let's say it went sideways. Let's say the guy pulled a knife. I throw my arm up. You know, I get a blow in. I hit him in the throat, but and he falls down, and he gets dogpiled, but I'm bleeding from massive – I'm sanguinating. I'm bleeding to death. Yes. I throw my tourniquet on there. And, and I'm in trouble. I'm going into shock. Um, the, the First off, law enforcement has to get there and control the scene before EMS can come in. And so seconds save lives. And I've literally been in situations where people were volatile, you know, hitting themselves, throwing their hands out, yep. you know, knife handing, pointing. I'm going to kick your and they hear, woo, 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 you know, coming in over the hill and they're done. And so. A lot of times with physical domestics and things, officers will turn off their sirens to, to not cue the bad guy in and, and create a standoff or something. But I've literally seen, or just the fact that somebody says, uh, hey, 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 John, I've called law enforcement. And then the only other thing I have to add to that is because you want 
you want law enforcement on their way because like you said um i i was dealing with a situation that was starting to escalate i called non-emergency so this this is a great scenario it happened in my neighborhood um, a lot of rural properties some of these acreages are 200 acres at a whack one big fence around the outside uh, some some boys in their teens, young, hot temper, a lot of testosterone, not a lot of life experience, something to prove on a on a uh, a, a trail camera, a game hunting camera. They see it's stereotypically enabled. They see a picture of a guy trespassing on dad's property. So they fly over. They start calling the neighbors. They're going to run this guy off. OK, he's he's just trespassing. It's not a felony. There's no weapons visible. He's not a threat. They they're they're in a, a chat in our neighborhood we have a neighborhood watch chat i'm trying to be the voice of reason there's an elderly woman in the scenario she apparently armed herself and began to drive up and down the cranny road with the intention and so age is not always a determiner of mm -hmm. how situation he's mm -hmm. not in good physical condition she's not going to be able to fight this guy she's going to accost this guy and she's arming herself and so i i i came over this this chat and I've, first off, I call non-emergency. All of us should have the non-emergency number for our local dispatch in our phone. I might have it for multiple counties and multiple city jurisdictions in those counties. I might have that in my phone. Mm -hmm. So call non-emergency. This is who I am. This is where I live. This is about where I think this is going on. I'd love to have a deputy come out. I have a feeling this might escalate. And boy, howdy did it. Mm -hmm. Then I got the number for the for the main teenage boy that was involved. It was his dad's property. And I called him and I said, listen, please understand this. I know that you boys are going to, wanting to go to the property. Please don't. There's nothing on the property. It's undeveloped. It's just trees. You just hunt there. He's not hurting anything. Yeah, but he's not supposed to be there. He's trespassing. Right. But it's not criminal. But he go out there and engage the guy and say, hey, is this your property? Okay, then you've been asked to leave. And I said, you know, and I know they're young and I know they have something to prove. And I know that they, that they hunt and fish and all this stuff. And they're, I'm, I'm redneck. I'm backwoods. We all have guns. They probably have guns and they did. And so I, I call this in, I got ridiculed over this group chat, somebody well-intentioned, but this, this lady was saying, um, Oh, Paul, don't be ridiculous. No one is going to shoot at this guy. I'm thinking oh. you just, yourself and started driving up and down the road don't tell me you right. know and i said please understand if he steps off your property onto the county road or steps off onto the county road and you stop him you can be considered the aggressor and if you produce a gun or you get volatile towards him he literally could be perceived in court as the victim so if he draws a gun and shoots you because you pull a gun on him you literally could be the one that escalated this we've yeah. talked about this today yeah i said so please don't go approaching this guy. And she basically told me to go fly. Okay? And, uh, and so there were several dads that were trying to get back to the neighborhood. And when I say neighborhood, we're talking square miles because it's rural America. We're all neighbors, you know, in the big city, you may not know somebody two doors down right, or next door. So anyway, I'm trying to get there and I, I call back into dispatch because I'm being told these boys are going to go to this property and they intend to have a confrontation, a verbal confrontation with this guy. I said, I'm concerned if this guy's armed, they're young, they're hot headed. If he's armed and, and they want to get stupid, we could have a shootout. And so they literally, they're like, well, we have the own, the, the, all of the deputies that are on duty are dealing with something terrible. And the only one that's not actually dealing with a life and death threat right now is going to a burglary in, in progress alarm call. Hmm. So everybody, 
up. And that's just the perfect storm of how that works. It's why we call it the thin blue line. Yeah. I said, well, I'm going to go. Now, I want a recording. I want an auto auto recording on the non-emergency line that says I'm not going there to be a hothead. I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go try to talk to these boys. I'm going to try to be the voice of reason. I'm taking my trauma bag because I'm concerned if a knife or a gun gets involved, somebody's getting hurt. So moments, this is all going on. Moments after I get off the phone, people are, are texting into this group chat and they're saying, we have shots fired. And I'm like, oh, crap. And I'm hearing pop, pop, pop. I'm hearing handgun rifle handgun shotgun from two different men that have hunted their whole lives and are firearms guys they know what gunshots sound like especially in these canyon rural valleys yeah yeah and so i i was like oh my gosh and so i called 911 and i said look i'm cooking like i'm coming in fast i don't carry a commission i could have gotten pulled over by a state trooper and i would have deserved a ticket but i'm running hot and I said, I'm going to go this road to this road. And I said, I know there's no deputies available. Can you get me mutual aid from a city? I said, and and please get an ambulance on the way. Because my concern is. Someone's hurt. Yeah. Someone's shot. Mm-hmm. Got three shots fired and bullets poke holes in people. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm trying to call these boys, trying to call these boys, trying to call these boys. I finally get a response. The response is, well, we're out here on the property and we can't see them. So we decided to fire warning shots. Oh. And that's highly illegal, right? Highly illegal. And I'm not aware of a state that that's legal to do in. And so it, it, at the least, it's reckless discharge of a firearm. And so I'm talking to these boys and I said, okay, first off, I know that that's a Hollywood thing and people do that in movies. Even cops do that in movies and it's okay. It's highly illegal. I said, you boys better pray you don't get a state trooper that's coming to your area that's a by the book not going to listen to anything state trooper. And I said, boys, what if you hit this guy and you gut shot him and he's bleeding out or, or whatever? I said, you guys, you pull back to the edge of the property and wait, do not go in there. And they, I said, them firing shots like that also gave this subject a self-defense argument. Yeah. And so, yes, it, well, well said. And so I told him, I said, I, I told him I wanted them to leave and leave the property. They didn't want to. So I pull up, I grab my trauma bag. I walk up. They're fine. And they, they claimed they fired one weapon three times. Well, it was clearly two weapons. I said, just do me a favor. And those weapons need to say, put in your vehicle hidden. And I said, and you boys are either in for the butt chewing of your life or because you're minors, um, you're probably going to be dealing with the juvenile, uh, with a juvenile officer in, in a matter of moments. And I said, so just be aware of that. Well, they pulled the deputy off of the alarm call for the burglary in progress in an empty home. Yeah, <clears throat> flying into our location. And, and I had called back in the meantime before as he was being dispatched. And I said, disregard the ambulance. Let them know I have eyes on these kids. We have no visual for someone hurt. I said no one was screaming in the woods or anything. And, and they were like, yeah, we've had multiple calls of shots fired to your point. And I mm-hmm. said, with the boys, I'm standing here. I'm being the voice of reason. Deputy pulls up, gave the most amazing dad talk to these boys. And he goes, do you, do you guys understand? Awesome. You're not target practicing. And he said, please understand. They walked up to the tree line. We all walked up there and we looked. There's not a body, thank God. Um, they didn't just happen to point the gun in the right, wrong direction and shoot the guy. Yep. And so the deputy says, look, you can't do that. He's not, he's, yes, yes, you're not supposed to trespass, but it's not a felony and your lives weren't in danger. Gave him a great dad talk. He's like, do you understand? I have the power to ruin your lives. He's like, if he said, and boys, and it was so pertinent, he said, if, if a by the book state trooper pulled up, 
that was like, nope, the law is the law is the law. He said, you boys would be arrested. You'd be in the back of a cop car. You boys would be in the system. And he's, he goes, Boy, boys, once the system gets its teeth in you, you're going to have a bad, it's going to be trouble for years. It was a great talk. Their dad shows up completely ignorant of the law. I love the guy to death, completely ignorant of the law. And he's spouting like these wives' tales and myths about what you can and can't do on property. Stand your ground. Yeah, yeah. And the, the deputy's very That's careful to him. That situation was a perfect storm of things escalating completely out of control needlessly. Mm-hmm. And to me, our whole culture needs a heavy dose of well, first off, they need Jesus, but our whole culture needs a heavy dose of de-escalation. Now, I'd love to, I'd love to get your critique on that, your thoughts, and then I'd love to hear your other story. That, that, yeah, let me touch upon that because I actually did a video on this. There are two incidences that happened in Texas, two homeowners who are now facing murder charges because they are now going to discover the hard way that stand your ground and castle doctrine does not mean you go blow someone's head off just because they're on your property. Um, very tragic. The last, uh, it's, it's so stupid. And I made comments, you know, I I talk about this, um, on my YouTube channel and knuckleheads, as a matter of fact, by the way, I've turned off all, all comments on my YouTube channel, mainly, you know, I have no problem having a conversation like we're doing right now, but but it's the knuckleheads who, who don't know a flipping thing. Right. And it is just no, it's throwing pearls of swine and, (laughs) and, and you know, no, if that was me, I would have shot. Okay, well, yeah, you'd be in prison. Yeah. Nothing, folks. Castle doctrine and stand your ground is supposed to help your self defense, not be your self defense. Yeah, you still have to articulate and show that someone was in imminent danger of great bodily harm or death. Okay, so my other positive story. Uh, this is at a business. So I gave you a, a, a positive story from a church. This is from a business. A business uh, had a former employee show up and he's yelling and he's screaming. He's demanding his job back. He's being just foul mouthed. They have him um, contained in a small enclosed uh, foyer into the warehouse uh, building. Um, he can't get back unless he gets buzzed in by the young lady behind the glass door. And he's demanding his job back, demanding back play, blah, blah, blah. First office manager walks in. Now, they had all gone through my training uh, just maybe a couple months before. So this is in 2018. This incident happened June of 18. And this is, again, one of those uh, incidences and videos that I also show in my lecture presentation. Um, First office manager walks in. He makes a beeline across this, this room, which is like maybe eight feet by eight feet. I don't know. I don't know if there's a standard for your area, but it's, it's a small enclosed area. You can even tell from the security camera. He stands there with the door open and he says a few words and then he, be, he, he shuts up. He, he stops saying anything and he lets this guy vent. Between five and 10 minutes, this guy is just spewing all this ignorant stuff. The manager stands there with the front door open. Two reasons, because I teach people, don't let yourself get sucked into an enclosed environment where you don't have a way out. So he's got a way out, but also is it not a universal invitation for someone to leave by standing there holding the door open? So we've got these two things working for him. This guy is going off and then another office manager comes in and he takes a position across the room. Why? So that we can avoid giving this in person the impression that we're ganging up on him, that we're looming over him. So we've got one guy at the open door and another guy at the other end of the uh, 
uh, corner. We can still see the top of his head because again, it's a, it's a, sm a relatively small enclosed area, but at least they're across the room from each other, not giving this guy the impression they're ganging up on him. He goes off for another five to 10 minutes. Um, but by now you can tell he's beginning to come down because he's vented, he's burning off all this energy. Finally, another office manager pops his head open. So he, so we have this L shape and we have the last um, a part, um, office manager pop open the door that's, that's normally secured. And he, he says a few words. And again, he, he's quiet to let this guy say what he has to say. But you can tell he's spent now. He starts to fire up, but he, he's done. And finally, this guy makes a couple comments and says, you know, you give him options. Um, look, you're not going to get your job back. I'm not going to give you back pay. You've been gone over a year. But I tell you what, I'll give you $20 for gas if you'll just leave. Fine, F you, snatches the $20. As he starts to walk out, he sees a, a, a painting or whatever, you know, something you can replace at Hobby Lobby for 30 bucks, snatches his off the wall, yeah, and says, well, he, he doesn't break it. He grabs it and says, this is mine, and walks off with it. Win-win. <laughs> no one tried to interfere. Everyone goes home safe. You can replace that picture uh, for $30 at Hobby Lobby. The lesson they learned between themselves was, hey, if he ever comes back, let's call the police. Okay. He did try to show up again. They called the police, but he walked out on his own. But the, but the big thing here, the commonality in these two incidences was it took time for the person to come down from that level and oh, leave. Yeah. And at any point, any one of those guys in any of those scenarios could have done and said the wrong thing. You need to leave. You don't belong here. I've called the police, which was correct, but not would, would not have been the correct way to handle that situation. The guy is just being loud, rude, and angry, talking about this one at the business. He's not hurting anyone. He's not hurting anything. Let him burn it off, and it takes time. The whole video in that particular incident is like 45 minutes long. It takes time. And so they, they learn from that. If he ever comes back, we'll call the police and get them started. And they've never had a problem with him again. But how cool is it for me, you know, talking about success stories? I have a church success story and a business success story. This works. It's not just a church thing. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's people skills dealing with a stressful confrontational situation. Um, it could be with your family member at the next Thanksgiving dinner, someone who's a little bit angry about whatever, and they start going off. You can apply these people skills uh, to these situations. Um, and so that's the other, that's the other success story I've had. I've had emails, um, from other people with not much more detail like that, but, but same thing. Hey, we just had another incident, uh, with, with someone who worked with a big public library during one of their professional development days. I went through a lecture presentation, modeled and demonstrated some, some scenarios on how to handle it. Because they only had one day and the number of people, like a hundred some people, we couldn't break them down and have them do scenarios. So the next best thing was for me to model and demonstrate on stage, which fortunately um, some of them got and, and they ended up dealing with some home, uh, homeless people will find a dark corner in the library and, and try to go to sleep and stuff like that. And, and if you're not careful about how you approach that someone person, uh, you could set them off. See here, and here's an example of assessing the situation. Homeless person, right off the bat, person down under luck, probably mm -hmm. stressed and angry at the world. So right off the bat, you should realize you're approaching someone who's most likely, more likely than not, going to be stressed, tired, cold, hungry, and upset. Right off the bat, you should already be thinking about how you're going to properly make, uh, make contact with this person instead of just rolling up there and, hey, you can't sleep here. 
they know that, but you don't have to talk to them that way because everyone on this planet deserves to be treated with dignity and respect, no matter how little they deserve it in the moment. Yeah. But if you're ministry minded, you're going to treat them with dignity and respect. And uh, that go that goes towards a uh, tone of voice um, uh, and the words you use. And one of the easiest, quickest ways that we can uh, uh, treat someone with dignity and respect is to let them do the talking, let them vent while mm-hmm. you just be quiet. Take that moment to be taking long, slow, deep breaths to keep yourself calm. Yes. Right. I mean, you've got a you've got a job to do. I mean, there's something for you to do, not just stand there like 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 with a deer in the headlight look. You made contact. This person is angry. Let them vent. Let them let them whine, cry, and bitch while you take these long, slow, deep breaths and think about what you're going to say next. That is a smart thing to say. Uh, like maybe I'm sorry, and not in a condescending, dismissive manner. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm really sorry you're feeling this. I'm really sorry you're going through that. I remember when I that you know you connect with them in some way and can I give you a cup of coffee okay well you know Paul we've had this discussion you know you can't be sleeping right here you know go ahead and finish that cup of coffee but I'm going to have to ask you to leave there's no reason to rush a situation there's no reason to make Paul leave John leave Susan leave uh, you they you've woke them up you've got the process going Unless there is an event or whatever, I mean, never say never, but generally there's no reason to rush a situation. And again, ministry minded, you just got done telling God, God send me where here you are. Give them a cup of coffee and let them talk with you about what's going on and you witness and minister to them, whether it's at the whether it's at work or at church or whatever. <laughs> so many gold nuggets. I I cannot address every single thing that you just said and br- and bring those back and talk about the. There were so many. We so going in with a ministry mindset. So much of Jesus's ministry, if we go back and look, was dealing with difficult people. The Pharisees hated him. Um, he was breaking the status quo. Um, he he dealt with every walk of life, and a lot of the folks that Jesus and the disciples and later the apostles dealt with were. Um, interrupting their preaching. They were interrupting the service. They were, you know, and, and it's actually comforting to me if if a demonic inspired man, a demon possessed man interrupted Jesus's sermon, that's comforting to know that when and if it happens where I'm at, that we're, that, that we're par for the course. If, if a demon was gutsy enough to interrupt our savior's sermon, we should expect interruptions. And I, someone shared that with me and I'm remiss for not remembering who, but I was like, oh, how prideful are we to think that, that that wouldn't happen to us if it happened yeah. to our here? Jesus dealt a lot with beggars. Now we, we go, oh, beggars and helped them and healed. Yeah, they were probably homeless. Now it, let's put a modern parlance on that. They were yeah, exactly homeless. And I literally know police officers and you do too. I know corrections officers that have told me, um, I offered a guy a cigarette. We were standing there talking. I treated him like a human being. And later he said, hey, those two guys are planning on shanking you. Or, or later they told me, um, this guy and his buddy, when they get out of jail, they know where you live. And so multiple officers were able to go address that and say, hey, th- this is a group, and we take threats to our group personally. So we're, we're involving this level of whatever. Don't, don't do this because we already are on to you. Um, treating someone as a human being, and, and we act like I think a lot in life. I know I'm guilty of this. We act like it's an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. Never going to happen again. So the shooting um, at uh, White uh, White Settlement, where where mm-hmm. the guy came in and he was wanting money, and he pulled the shotgun. 
there's so many things that are at play there. We're never going to know what that guy was thinking. I've got friends that are convinced it was a robbery. I've got convinced friends that were convinced he walked into be an active shooter. I don't know the man's heart, but I know what happened. And being able to, to lovingly treat someone like a human being, it doesn't mean they won't attack you. But again, to go way back in our conversation, we're never going to know how many situations that were volatile that would have gone off the rails that, that we didn't prevent by de-escalating. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I, I cannot find the article now, but I read about a church safety team where there was a guy in the parking lot. And it brings me to another thought, and I'll throw it back to you. And and that is, um, he goes out in the parking lot. He walks up to a guy. He's sitting in his car. There's something wrong. The guy's sitting there. Is it a medical incident? Is he just down, down in his luck? Is he whatever? And he walks up and starts talking to the guy. And they end up talking about God and life is tough and these different things. And the guy's got a newspaper in his lap. And this is my recollection of the story. So if I'm off a little bit, I apologize. But somebody may correct me later and show me the article. If they do, that's great. But as I recall the story, he's got this newspaper in his lap. What the church security guy does not know is there's a handgun underneath the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And there's very little difference between a suicide and a homicide suicide. And a very, very little difference because if somebody feels like they have no options and they're about to punch their own ticket, they're about to take their own life, there's very little difference between this and this and then this. And so this church safety guy has no idea the powder gag he's standing on, has no idea how, how close to the end of his life or this guy's life he is. And so he starts talking to him about the Lord, ends up lovingly witnessing to this guy. The guy breaks down, starts talking about, he's like, you know, I, I came here today, lifts the newspaper to take my own life. And I figured if God was going to hear me anywhere, now I'm getting goosebumps. He was going to hear me in a church parking lot. Well, God can hear us anywhere. I don't break that down, but he was feeling like, I don't feel like God's hearing me. I need God to hear me. Well, um, I remember this little boy saying to their, their, their parents a long time ago. I love this story because it's an aside, but it makes total sense to this. And I've never forgotten this little boy has a nightmare, goes to his parents. I'm having a nightmare. I'm scared. I don't want to be alone. And his parents are like, Right, but Jesus is with you. Go back and lay down and go to sleep in your own room. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I need Jesus with skin on right now. Okay, I've never forgotten that. You're welcome to run with that. We all at some point in our life need Jesus with skin on. Absolutely. All right, I, I've never forgotten that because that's such a that's such a thing a child would say, but the the full import of that, the powerful of, of that, I have been so angry or so hurt that I literally needed somebody to sit with me because I was not in a good place. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's witnessing to this guy and he's loving on this guy because he's got a ministry mindset and the guy ends up giving his life to the Lord in the church parking lot. We're never going to know how many times somebody walked into the church with the intent of, you know, when I was a kid, I was in a church mm-hmm. and I was a preacher and that church treated him like garbage. And I've hated, mm-hmm. I've hated God. And most active shooters have a grudge against God. They're not mm-hmm. you per se. If they're, if, if they don't have a specific target, they're hurt. They're hurt God. Mm-hmm. And a friend pointed this out to me. He said, "Paul, that goes back to the garden. Satan couldn't hurt God, but what did he do? He went to hurt God's creation, mm-hmm. to hurt man and woman. And so, bringing that around and then tossing it back to you, what you're teaching, quality de-escalation. That person may walk into the church and be looking to rob it. Um, there's a, um, and I forget who told me this story, and I, I hate that because I love to give credit where credits due. But there was a hitman that was came to kill a preacher, mm-hmm. and in the front row and was listening to the preacher and broke down and went forward at the altar call, gave his life to the Lord, and then told him, yeah, I was here to kill you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, 
I'm just about out of ammo. I, I love I love the fact that we can edit things and move things because I can take and I can do fades and clip things together. And so that all that stuff is great. If there's anything else you feel like you want to say, what a great point. This is probably three episodes, but I'm snowed in and smart enough not to go anywhere. And if you've got more, let's keep going. But if you're like, nah, I feel like we're there. We can wrap up. We can, we can wrap up. I, I mean, we could go on, um, but we'll wrap it up and we'll see how, how this goes. Um, I like um, all right. So I'm going to start the closing remarks and how people can get a hold of even all that good stuff. And then I'll pray us out. So, okay. so guys, this has been an incredible, an incredible set of episodes. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. My passion is bringing this level of conversation to people that, that will always be out there for posterity. As long as, as long as there's an internet and people can find this footage, it's out there. So we want, we want what we do to reach past us. And John, I think you're doing great things. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, they want your kind of training, uh, they want your advice on something. How do they get hold of you? Uh, they can find me on all my social media, uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, everything is social media driven. Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I got a YouTube channel. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, if you type gentle response on your search bar, I'm going to come up uh, gentle response. So I'm always open and welcome uh, to, to answer and field questions and comments. Uh, my team and I travel around the country. So if, if uh, you're interested in taking the training a little bit more, uh, more dynamic and realistic, my team and I are happy to do that. We have a passion for it. And I'm blessed with a very highly motivated uh, team, former law enforcement. Um, and if, if there's nothing else that you take away from our conversations uh, today, uh, just remember this ministry mindset. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be in a church environment, just ministry mindset and how you talk to people. And remember to play your God given ace card. It all comes down to your facial expression, body language, the tone of voice, uh, the words you use, and your engagement in the moment. And sometimes your engagement just needs you to be quiet and let that person you're you're dealing with do all the talking and just let them know I hear you and you don't have to agree with them but let them talk so that that way you validate and affirm them and that treats them with dignity and respect and so on so ministry mindset and play your god-given hand set and even again recognize when not to play just disengage and walk away amen that probably my greatest challenge being completely honest is I tend to talk too much. Shocker. And <laughs> fill silence. Fill. I tend to yeah, fill yeah. silence with words. And I, I pray a lot as a chaplain and in church safety. I'm like, Lord, help me to know what to say, but also help me to know what not to say. Yeah, to yeah. I've literally had times where I swear the Holy Spirit just goes. And I've had times where I feel like I stop talking. And so, yeah who definitely talks too much and, and i'm a very outgoing extrovert person that's knowing when not to talk for me mm -hmm. one of the greatest challenges and and being able to get past my own mindset and bias is one of our biggest challenges so i've loved every minute thank you for investing this time in oh, this my i want to do this again um i can't wait to to hear from people that this has benefited because we're never going to know again this side of heaven how many lives we blessed right. how many touched and that conference that we were at uh, up in Ohio with James and Mike and what have you when we were there at that church safety conference a guy walked up and it it kind of unnerves me a little bit not that not that he walked up to me but when he said hey you're in my head like I <laughs> and yeah. I'm like 
that's a challenge because I'm like, okay, make sure the stuff you're saying is on point because that's right. a huge responsibility. But I was deeply honored. And right. I've had some of the some of the cops I chaplain have said, hey, in a positive way, I hear your voice in my head when I'm dealing with things. And I'm like, well, praise God, that's God. And then it takes me back, okay, humbling myself. How do I do this your way? So I love your I love your ministry. I love that you're out there doing what you do, and and you're taking you're taking people that really know what they're doing with you, and that's one of the things about going to a quality instructor is all of that hundred and forty plus years of military and law enforcement experience and learning the hard way with all these things. You guys are bringing that to a point, and if you think of it like a spear tip, and all of that's right there in that class, and and you're able to hone that down, and probably it needs to be taken more than once. I've never had a training that I've went to once and not felt like I couldn't have gone back and taken it again. But the beautiful thing is when we value that stuff as a church, and I've got one comment and then I'll pray us out. When as a church, God's word says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I heard a pastor say this the other day. He said, we really try to remember that as a church and we invest in our security team and we have a budget for their training to help them get better. And I was like, and I heard him say that on the broadcast and I really want to bring him on because I think a lot of times as churches, we kind of almost view our security presence, our, our safety team as a necessary evil in case of yeah. emergency break glass. And so when people invest in training with someone like yourself, and I, this is my only other point on this is like, I was talking to a guy about training and I'm like, okay, a lawsuit, you're probably going to pay $40,000 in a retainer. Mm-hmm. How much is going to cost you? Cause it ain't going to be 40 grand. Correct. And, and, and it's something that's hard to quantify and put on a budget line item and say this year, our safety team saved us $450,000 in damages because you really can't qualify the fights you didn't fight the altercation happen, but they're still worth it. And I loved that pastor's investment in his team. And I was like, I know that 98% of church safety teams are like, where's that church? I I think I might like to visit because we don't get that, but it's so valuable. So on that note, unless you've got something to add, sir, I'll pray us out. Um, I just want to say you cannot quantify or put a dollar amount to the additional self-confidence people feel after they've gone through good training. You can't put a dollar amount to the sense of team cohesion and being able to work as a team. There are so many things that you can't put a dollar amount to, especially when you're when you're going through a type of training like you do with with my team and I. Amen. I've experienced that with other trainings where right. I've been in a life or death situation and I looked at someone who was presenting a physical threat and I raised an eyebrow and looked at him like, are you sure? Because I knew I can reach you with my, my lead dispensing device. <laughs> right. And I looked at them and raised an eyebrow and they were like, oh, have a nice day. Right. Confidence, confidence is something that telegraphs and, and it's a wonderful thing. So on that note, sir, let's pray this out. Okay. Lord God, I am so excited about this. I love these conversations. This is what makes me a better person, Lord God. As iron sharpens iron, your word says one man sharpens another. And I thank you for John, for his ministry. I ask that you guide, bless, and protect his family. That you that you get this, as always, to the right ears, to the right people, that they would hear it, that they could benefit from it, Lord God. These conversations change Paul Buckner as a person. And I just want people to come along for the ride and experience it too, Lord God. And if they get half out of these conversations, what I do, it's a win. So I 
I ask again, did these, these conversations reach the right ears? I thank you for, for friends. I thank you for friendship. And this man means the world to me, Lord God. And I ask that you would, you would bless his ministry and get it to the churches that need it and continue to grow that. And I ask all these things in your son, Jesus name. Amen. 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 And thank you so much for that. And thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. Let's do this again. This has been the Let's Talk About Church Safety and Security podcast. We hope this blessed you, and we encourage you to like and share this episode with your ministry team.